It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Well, it's been about a month, and welcome back into the Skinny College Basketball Podcast. Richard Skinner from Local12.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com and also now an employee of local 12 Along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal. Fellas, lots going on in the last month. We, we actually, when we broke from the regular season, we said we were going to do one a month over the summer months to just kind of keep some news fresh. But there's been, holy cow, we're going to start with, a, with kind of a big news from today. But there's been a lot of news here over the last last month. I keep thinking maybe a month's actually now too long to wait. A couple weeks, but we actually <laughs> got lucky. We were supposed to record last night. Yes. And you had a radio appearance, and Rick had to come in and work, and things got a little. Off kilter worked and out for the best. worked out way for the best because <laughs> all of a sudden the Louisville allegations dropped this morning that we'll hit on. And John Brandon gets a four-year extension at NKU that we'll hit on. And uh, it was a very uh, beneficial and for probably, us to, And probably to allowed you to drink a couple extra last night then. Is that right? Well, I'm about the same as I always do. Okay. I'm, I'm consistent, if nothing else. Did we just turn over a new leaf in this podcast? Which is? Uh, Brendel just had a chance to throw me under the bus completely. And, and he really did. And he like completely I'm, made I'm, it. I'm, I'm not even going to bring it up. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have crushed me for that. Well, since just, you're going to crush yourself, here's, was, what, here's what happened. It was about 9.15 last night. We were supposed to record at 9.30, and I thought just being the nice guy I was, I called Mr. Broering, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm, I've been here all day. I'm, I'm still here. Uh, just let me know when you get here. We'll go up to my office. Get nothing. I'm waiting for him to answer the phone. Then he calls me back. I think he's not going to lie, man. I forgot. I just totally forgot. And then I kept thinking, oh, poor Chad. Were you on your way? Well, you left or were you close? Great story. So I had literally just gotten into the car, uh-huh. started the car, pulled out, and I was driving up my street. Three houses away from my house when you called. Perfect. So I just went. Got a six-pack and, and came back home. Oh, I already had the beer in the fridge. Come on. <laughs> Give me a little bit more credit than that. But, uh, yeah, so well, the reason I didn't, I've done back early in my career the, the overnights. It's hard. It's I've awful. It. I mean, I like, you're working, what, 11 to 8? Is that what you're yeah. normally? 11 at night 11 to 8 in the morning? 8 8. Yeah, 11 at night to 8 in the morning. Can't get any good sleep. I've done that before. And it is a nightmare. It is Your a nightmare. body never, like you said, like, I'm up all night anyway, but it's totally no, different. Well, we're, the we're, issue was I threw in two overtime that, shifts see, where I worked six to three this that, week that, also that, that's what in the morning. Yeah. So that's where I just forgot what day it was. No, I what, literally didn't know what day it was. <laughs> yeah, when, when I worked at the Cincinnati see, but I didn't, Post. That's why I didn't throw you under the bus. I've been there I, on those night shifts. It's brutal. Well, the, the I thought ones, you were just trying to set the tone for a good podcast or something. I was you, being nice. Yeah, when you work the night shift, threw me off. day shift. No, you're good. We're here now, so we're all good. Um, all right, let's talk with, with some of the news of, of the day, and it actually helped us because we were delayed, as, as Chad mentioned. It's that uh, Louisville's basketball program was was hit today as we're recording this by the NCAA. Rick Pitino got five games, not from the NCAA, but he got five games suspension from the ACC. Well, five games from the NCAA, but the way they're doing it now is they suspend you in conference yeah, play yeah, conference games, that's so right. that you, you're not out the cupcake games. And that's five – you're not allowed around the team that's correct, that at game. all from the first game to the fifth game. So for two and a half weeks, he's not going to be around that team. And hey, let's face it, as much the of start a control of the season, freak start he just is, January, yeah, um, and that's a loss. He doesn't really have like a veteran guy on his staff right now. That you know, like when when Mick went down, Larry Davis was ready to step in. When it, you know, if anything ever with Mac, Travis Steele has been there for a long time. Like, is it Kenny Johnson, Rick? Like who? Who does? Who does? 
that coaches that team for those two and a half weeks while he's gone is what I'm curious about. I really don't know the inner dynamics of their staff. Well When's enough. the last time Kenny Johnson was a head coach? 16 and under team takeover? Yeah, probably. But I, I just I, – I'm not all in on this is a big blow to them. First of all – No, it's not really. Gi- giving a coach a week off where you're not allowed to do anything. Like the worst thing is that you've got to do all the other stuff and you're not allowed to coach. Like you've got to be there. But he's not allowed to be around the team. So you're just literally but giving him – But he is so hands-on though. I mean, okay, I agree. Like he's not going to like it. It's not ideal. But at the end of the day, he's getting like two weeks vacation, um, and I think that's the worst thing for a guy like him, dude. I really because he is so type A. That that may be. I know your point. But, for most but, of us, we'd go great. You pay me, great. I'm good. I'm going to Miami. Exactly, I'll see you in two yeah. weeks. But also, this I think that there's two things I hate about this. One is that they they vacate seasons. Well, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay, I, I wanna, I'll hold a, off on that. Yeah, then. thank you. Yeah. The other thing that I hate about this is that. Um, I have no idea what I was going to say. Sorry, I cut you off. Great work. I, yeah. I would like to congratulate the Cincinnati Bearcats on a 2012 Big East well, tournament championship. Let's, let's, let's get to that point. You, you brought it up. The, the whole thing, because people, if they, if they don't know what happened, most that are listening are basketball fans probably do. Louisville has to vacate, quote, all basketball records in which student athletes competed while ineligible from December 2010 to July 2014. What, what does that mean? I mean, does anybody, who cares? Who cares? What does that do? So you take a banner, great. I mean, taking the banner is big. No, it, no, it's, it's not. not. We know yeah. who won. We know who won that tournament. Correct. It's not like it takes it away. But There's no. There, you as, don't rewrite. As history. time goes by, you forget who won the 2014 national championship. When you go to Louisville, the banner's not hanging there to remind you. But those fans know, dude, and they know yeah. who won it on like, the court. Those players know. Do, the players do, they play against. I, do the, okay, do the Michigan fans now feel like, oh, that's right, Mich- Louisville didn't even win that game against yeah, us? Yeah, I mean, I just picked up a big te- or Big East tournament championship. I, I, I mean, feel do, totally great, and now I'm going to pop champagne and, and go, celebrate our do, 2014. Do, do, do Michigan fans um, not not remember the the Fab Five because of they had to have all that stuff vague? I mean, people that's remember. ugly. Kind of not. But people do uh, remember it. Dude, you, you remember it even more so. Like, I would argue that, pe- that Maybe. Y- people other than your fans, the rest of the country will now remember more Look, so that Louisville but, won a title. I It'll be interesting because this is the first one to come down. For a national title? Yeah. We've yeah. seen Final Fours vacated and national runner-ups yeah. vacated. We've never seen a title vacated in, in basketball. So it'll be interesting to see the reaction to that. I I, ju- I just I just think it's a big it. nothing. I really think yeah, it's exactly. A big, I, I, if I, it's a big nothing, why is there a national championship banner at the front entrance of the Yum Center that they're going to have to take down? Okay, you, you want to celebrate that the, with that, but at the end of the day, it's not that people are going to forget gone. it. The, in fairness, in fairness, this is someone who's been celebrating a UC Final Four banner since the fifties. So no, that does make sense that. Well, hey, just 92, and, actually, and you don't have and any actually, to celebrate, and so actually, shut up. And actually, Michigan, Michigan had to vacate, so UC actually was national runner-up at the very least that year. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, they, they, they got in. Forward. They're runner-up. No, I, I guess <laughs> where I want to go with this is, is what becomes an equitable punishment, though? If you say future postseason ban, well, does is that equitable? I, Here's the other. I think, honestly, what's equitable to me is you give back every red cent you earned during that. Every single solitary red cent you earned, either through your league sharing, through NCAA tournament, whatever it is, you give that back. That hits you hard. Yeah, that, I, I would like to see more monetary. Yes. What I, the part I hate is taking away scholarships. That's the dumbest See, I see. I disagree. I think that's exactly what you deserve. That's the only way to curtail things like this. I'm not so they have to go to twelve for four years. No, 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 no. To, I, to cut them down to nine. Cut them down to ten. Right. Like, do a real punishment on the scholarships. But then thing, you're hurting that, the kids. No, you're not. not. Yeah, no, you are. Yeah. There's three less scholarships in Division One basketball. Hey, 
they get they get released. They can transfer, do whatever you Correct. want. You should be your program should be legitimately punished for cheating. Like I think this. monetarily is the monetarily. Way to do it. I agree. Way to monetarily, would be I don't great think too. the scholarships. I think the scholarship thing is terrible because ultimately, there's three kids that as the trickle down effect happens, three kids are going to get squeezed out of a Division One scholarship. Because of but something many, that happened in 2010. How many go unused though across the country? There's at least three. Enough, are, there's yeah. at least three out there that are that are not being used by schools. If you want, there's probably 50 to 100 that are not being used by. Those schools. three aren't going to be used by. The, the four aren't going to be used by Louisville to begin with because they're never really at 14, no, 13. But, if, but hang on, if you're a kid that was good enough to go to Louisville, then the trickle down of it is you're going to find a place that you can go and you'll be just fine. Maybe. But I'm, what I'm saying is Louisville doesn't really isn't at 13 ever anyway. So you're not penalizing them, it, except unless you t- if you do go down to like. If you went down to 10 or 9, and then suddenly, no offense, a kid is a project who's not ready and can't play. A kid gets hurt. Now you're down to seven scholarship kids. That's a pretty good punishment. You're down to seven scholarship kids and three walk-ons. Good luck competing at a high Division I level. That's all Coach K ever plays is seven, maybe eight. It's it's hard though for a lot of programs. It, it is it, that's why they at Louisville you've got enough talent that if you've got eight you're good in theory. But again, you have a couple of injuries and kid flunk it, whatever. I mean, you I, certainly... I, I think you hit them with millions. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big. I think the monetary part of it um, is especially it, with the whole fiasco that's going on down there to begin correct, with. Correct, correct. Yeah, where the AD's son's getting jobs that he doesn't do and making almost a mill. I mean, I want Denny Crum's making eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. like through the foundation, through the loop, through the foundations. Fanned out a bunch of money that it didn't yeah. fanning. I didn't know Denny was part of that. There's so, that. that that universe, like that, is literally selling your soul for they college athletics without question. But I like the fact that they own that. No, we talked like, about so that. blatant they, they, about they, they, it. They just, yep. they, yeah, they don't. And and they 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 put Tom Jurich up there up as like God. They like, and him. he's the king of corruption. Teflon, yeah. Teflon Tom. I mean, you're not getting rid of it. They've got the media in the bag down there. I mean, they they they. The, the the Louisville Foundation paid off a radio station to run pro Louisville programming counter to Matt Jones, yep. couple hundred thousand dollars for that. Like what they do down there is is unbelievable. Here's the other big issue I have with this with this stuff when they do this that I completely mushed on before when I was trying to think of it. The preemptive where you're allowed to punish yourself ahead of time and say, yeah. oh, we banned ourselves from a postseason this year, so you don't got to worry about that. We already did it. And then the NCAA looks at it and goes, okay, we're good with that. That's fine. I, don't do that. Don't allow schools to punish themselves ahead of time and then give them credit for Correct. it. You do your investigation. You, you figure out what the punishment is, and then you punish them for whenever that is. You don't let them do it the way they want to do it and then give them credit for as, it. As, I hate that. As Snow said, the only team to ever screw that up in the history of the last – the way this college sports has gone is Gene Smith and Ohio State. They should have self-imposed the year Luke Fickle was the head coach. Right. Yep. And then the next year they went undefeated. Right. It was just an interim year anywhere. And anyways. under so, Urban Meyer, Urban right. would have got a national championship right. in his first year. Right. Yeah. Well, the UofL has gotten something, but I don't know if it was quite enough, to be quite honest with you. There, there's really did, you read, no- did you read the recruit stuff? Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, like, Andre McGee basically forced 16- and 17-year-olds – to have sex with prostitutes. Not like, here's here's some strippers and whatever happens, happens. Like, no, it was more like you're part of a secret society now. Yeah. And there's no way out. You've yeah. got to commit here. Yeah. I mean, it, you banged Katina Powell and the strippers, so you're in the clique, guys. Yeah. Cannot leave. 15 I, of them. Let, let, let 15 get, of let, them. Let put one more on this. We'll put a bow tie. We'll move 10 on. of them under 18. You can believe what you want about what Patino knows and doesn't know and all that, but how culpable does he have to be in all this? And he has and, to be. I mean, and he, at what stage? What stage do you say? Look, if you didn't know, you're 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 to blame, and if you knew even an inkling, 
out. He, here's the only thing. You said it yourself. He's known as a giant control freak over his program. But all well, of a sudden, I, after no, 10 p.m., Rick, we don't I, have to say it. Like now, he, I'm also a believer of this because I've heard it. And you have to get me a player. Don't let. Don't tell me. I don't. I. I that's your instinct. Yeah, it's, it's get me plausible players, deniability. Right. Go get me players. Don't tell me how. And, and that's exactly what happened here. I think. I think I he purposely too. was just turning his head and saying, "I don't really want to know what you guys and are Andre doing." Andre McGee's after this. trying to move up the chain quickly, and he was and making. Moves. I can get players, and I'll get you this guy. Let me figure it out, coach. This being said, none of this really hurts Louisville, and I'll tell you why. Because look at how they're still recruiting. Yeah, they're still I mean, fine. They're fine. They're going to be loaded the next there's few no, years. There's no postseason ban. Yeah, no postseason no, ban. None of this stuff the is going you're to deter them. getting some records vacated, then who the hell cares? No one cares. No one cares. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just an absolute joke of a punishment, to be quite honest. I agree. It, it does nothing to deter someone from doing this in the future. Absolutely. I would absolutely do it again for a national title and to keep your program rolling in the direction that Louisville's currently Correct. rolling. I mean, the only thing is, is if somebody 30 years from now looks and sees vacated, Katie, they'll go, oh, that was Louisville. Yeah, they did win it, though. The, the only reason <laughs> I'm... Oh, that's right. They had the hookers. <laughs> the only reason I might not do this is because it's kind of weird to force teenage kids to have sex with strippers. It's a and lot hookers. weird. Like, that's kind of weird. That's, that's the only reason weird. I might not yeah, do it. Otherwise, it's totally worth it. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the dads had a great time with it. The, the couple of dads that, that got in on it. But hey, all I can say is Shane Bahannon, the gift that keeps on taking. <laughs> It's good stuff. Um, all right, let's uh, let's we'll move on to, to uh, we'll touch on Xavier and UC here in just a little bit. A couple other things off the top here. The Rick's John Brandon got a, a four year contract extension, which really means <laughs> means absolutely means nothing. nothing but at least it shows it's a show it, of faith. It's a show of faith, and I think that's the only part of it. And for those that are thinking, well, that he'll be there for no, he won't be. Yeah. If things go well, he will go somewhere, which is fine. But I think it was a show of faith. Hopefully there was more money involved in the extension. I would assume there is. Had to be. It was the lowest paid coach right, on the horizon. Correct. I mean, there, there just had to be. Um, but I, again, I, I'll give them all credit that, that hey, at least you're saying, hey, John, great job, and we're we're showing that what you did meant something yeah, else. Yeah, the, the big key they got to get him more money, and then I mean, their assistants are making nothing. They've got to get that staff some more money. I don't know if they were able to do much with this, right? Um, but it does look good, and it's nice publicity for both him and the school. Correct. Now, will he be here after next year? Eh, I have my doubts. But yeah, I mean, if they, things go well if they again. win again, people are coming. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt, and you're and you're not gonna you can't you can't come close to what what the match would be for whatever it's going to be. So no, and even if it was like, I know when Larry Davis was was up for the Bradley job, it was a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year job. Northern can't right even if it's, even if it's a Valley job. No, but the only thing I would tell you is maybe maybe whatever they did from the extension does bring the number up to a point where when you do have to go get another coach. It's at least a semi-competitive salary. It's yeah. at least in the ballpark that says, you know, look, you got John in a perfect storm. John was looking for a job. Yeah. Um, he probably could have gone and maybe gotten another Division One assistant job somewhere. But well, he's going to be at Xavier. If, yeah. Probably. But, if not. Um, but, you know, chance to come home. All, I mean, there was a perfect storm to get a guy like that. But I would think the well, next time around, if you don't have that perfect storm, but you at least have something competitive salary-wise. The, to get the reality is if he would have gotten a job at Xavier – which that spot was open, and Luke Murray eventually right. filled yeah. it, right? He would have probably made more at Xavier, at Xavier yes. than what he's making at Northern up until probably this Probably right. The only thing, extension. I mean, you get a chance to be a head coach. But, yeah, but I know, you know part of the Northern job, that scared some people that would have been interested off. I know Travis Steele would have probably taken a pretty decent pay cut, I would guess, if he would have, taken, if that, he would have been the choice for that job. That's the hard part. Like, guys right. want to get their own program. But if you're at a high major school, the way these things are right now, assistants are getting some assistants dough. are getting paid. Yeah. Man, Tony yeah. Stubblefield's making a half a million yeah. dollars a year at Oregon, and he doesn't even coach. Wow. He doesn't even have to come to practice. He does when he's in town, right. but ninety percent of the time he's on the road recruiting. Like it's half a million dollars a year, just 
to recruit. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a big that's a big chunk. But uh, good for John, and, and obviously, you know, as we mentioned, good good show of faith. Um, right, let's, let's turn to Xavier, then we'll turn to UC. We got a little Kentucky stuff to get to. We're gonna get to some draft stuff as well. Um, what what is new on the Xavier scene? Where, where do things stand on the recruiting scene as we go through this summer? Oh well, with recruiting, I mean, you know, right now they're really focused on 2018. Um, but they also have they also have a 2017 transfer. I mean, the guy would have to sit out a year. But uh, Jalen Coleman lands transferring from Illinois, specialist. He's a shooter at this point. Um, but that's what Xavier's looking for over the next few years to add to their athletic wings and guards. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. He already visited DePaul. I think they were worried that he was just going to commit to DePaul and never even make another visit. Now that he is coming on campus, we're recording this on Thursday. He's going to be here today and Friday. Um, now that he made that visit and he doesn't have one set up to Notre Dame yet, which was the other school reportedly kind of in that three-team three group in the mix, I think things are looking decent for Xavier after this visit. And it's a piece that I think it's a no-brainer. You would, you would take him and add him to, to what you've got. He's so, a guy we've always liked. Yeah, and his game honestly hasn't quite rounded out the way I kind of would yeah. expect it or wanted. I thought it he would have a little bit more to his game off than, the bounce than, yeah. and stuff. But he, he's really just been a, a standstill three point shooter in a lot of ways. I mean, he's got a little more skill to go with that, and there's some upside there. But he'll sit out a year and then have two years left. So certainly something to keep an eye on. And then in 2018, it's um, a lot of combo forwards that are that are skilled that are athletic they seem to love this like hybrid basically the guys that would play the four for them right now and that they call them a combo forward but in Xavier's system they're playing a Trayvon Blute at the four the last right, few years right. so well, and most of those guys can't play the three if they had to anyway well like I mean if you think about the way like Kentucky plays obviously yeah. these kids aren't Kentucky level players but Kentucky will play like uh, a, an, a guy that's like if a ceiling is the four in the NBA or a three in the NBA Kentucky will play him at right. the three these kids don't do that at Xavier. Right. You know, they always play the four in Xavier system. So um, they're looking at a lot of guys like that. They just don't have enough guards and big men on the radar now. Radar now they might not need guards because of the young guy. You know, the young guys that they have in Quentin Gooden and Paul Scruggs and and Elias Harden. But I think they're probably going to try when they go back out in July to add a few names from the guards and definitely try to find some bigs. This class is just awful for big men. Um, it's not good. They're really in there on a, on a big kid from Michigan, Travion Williams, who love him. Talked about him in the last podcast. It's like an <laughs> offensive lineman uh, that plays point guard sometimes. <laughs> uh, just extremely fun player to watch. Think Escalade from the and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think him. But but if but if they don't get him, I, I honestly don't know kind of what that who that next guy would be in terms of bigs in that 2018 class. And we talked about on the last podcast, um, he was in the mix, likely going to come, Karim Cantor, um, and ends up coming to Xavier. He had his name in the NBA draft. It didn't look like he was going to keep his name in the NBA draft. He obviously did not. So they do land him um, since the last podcast. And, again, for those that maybe don't know, we, we all got a chance to see him actually in person when, when Green Bay played uh, played against NKU. But just uh, what, what the coaching staff maybe thinks and what you what you think of him, Rick. Yeah, and he was really good that he night wasn't, at he was NKU. Really, second half, he was awesome. Yeah. First half, he didn't. Yeah, he killed him in the second half. Yeah, first half he didn't play much. I don't think. Yeah, like, yeah. he had a weird. He doesn't play. He his minutes. Like he only averaged really nineteen minutes there. a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, defensively, he struggles, and they're going to have to, you know, going to have to work that out. Like that's going to be the issue. Is he good enough to keep on the floor defensively? Um, offensively, he brings kind of a unique game because he he really likes to stretch from from the three point line and shoot it, and and he didn't do that as much as I think he wanted to in the past. And Xavier wants him to do more of that. Like they're thinking he could maybe double his three point attempts within the next season. So 
That could be interesting. And then also, he's not just like a standstill, big, stiff guy. He'll catch it, and if you close out on him, he'll pump fake you, drive in the lane, and make a play. No, I mean, he averaged averaged literally just barely over 19 minutes a game, and and, uh, points-per-minute production was pretty good. Yeah, he's a skilled guy. He brings kind of a unique game. And, you know, Chris even talked about openly on the live podcast we did with him at at Dana Gardens that – he's not sold on only playing wings at the four. He is okay with playing two bigs like he did with Matt Stainbrook and Jalen. He's got to have the right guys. Right. If he has a skilled player that can stretch the floor, and not necessarily just by shooting the three, but like Matt Stainbrook could come out, play the high post, really pass the ball, and you could run your offense through him. He could make plays for you. That's what I think they they see Cantor possibly doing when he's on the floor, and maybe they'll play a little more two bigs in the right. The good part is it, it is a, it is a nice off season get because he's obviously he's he's advanced. He adds something. He had yeah, absolutely, and I mean, something you didn't have in the post right. certainly because you have unskilled right. post players. Right. Congrats on the podcast. That was really good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was it was crazy. I still can't believe Chris Mack agreed to show up to Dana Gardens to talk to me and Dan to do a podcast <laughs> and and take questions from the crowd, which was wild. The best ever uh, was we had a guy. Ask if Tom Crean getting fired from Indiana was more like uh, get reaching third on a throwing air and or on a on a single and two throwing airs, or getting picked off of waking up and getting picked off of third base. Somebody put a lot of thought in that question for sure. Well, obviously, you know yeah, Tom Crean yeah. had the famous quote about Chris, yeah. or not famous, but famous in uh, Xavier lore quote about Chris Mack about him waking up on third and thinking he hit a triple. <laughs> so it was great. Mack laughed at it and then said, "I, I don't know." Yeah, <laughs> that was. I mean, to pull that off the way that you guys did. Very impressive. There you go. It How about worked that? well. It was cool. Brindle. Yeah, you I know? appreciate that. It was it was one Summertime, of the most fun. I'm nice. Yeah, no. It was one of the most fun things I've I've definitely done. It so. sounded like a blast, and you guys had a great turnout. You raised money for Chris's foundation. Yeah, congratulations. We had over seventy people stuff. there. Nice. It was. We didn't think sound was going to be a problem. Then all of a sudden, we've got people like clo- like doubled up on a on a deck up top, and there's an air conditioner going on up there, and they can't hear. So we're trying to figure out sound wow. live and everything. It was it was fun. That's good. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, for sure. All right, any other any other Xavier Nuggets before we move to the UC Nuggets? Well, I would just think. Are Did we, we gonna... talk Trayvon coming back? Was he back? He wasn't back yet when we recorded last. Was he? That's a good question. I think that's a good point. Yeah, because it was before the twenty fourth. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. All right, so let's let's touch on Trayvon coming back. What am I doing? Fairly significant. God, what's wrong with me today? <laughs> I thought we had touched on it, but I guess you're right. I think we touched on the possibility of it. But hey, not... can we talk more Xavier? <laughs> <laughs> you just got shuffled back to Buffalo a little bit there, Bob. Jesus. Yeah, the two people Idiot. just canceled their subscription. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe he's coming over the other side. He's been too nice, and now he's... Now he's pushing for more Xavier conversation. Well, I mean, they've everyone's heard my take on what it's going to mean for Trayvon. What do you guys think? Like, how does this change your opinion of Xavier preseason? Uh, I think it definitely makes him a top fifteen, yeah. top twenty level team. And it was funny with a lot less questions to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny part—I don't know if you saw—and it's obviously subjective. Your opinion, my opinion, his opinion, whoever else's opinion. But a bunch of people after the the twenty fourth redid their top 25s or their top 25s in one. Xavier didn't move hardly at all. No, they fell in a couple, yeah. which made me made my head go crazy. I thought, wait, and they even include, I thought, did they not include Trayvon coming back? And they obviously they did. I, 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 unless they move people over uh, above them. They, 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 they move people above guess, them. But, but I, I mean, let's be honest. Like Trayvon's got a chance to be. In contention for All-American status. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, he, he theoretically, it's probably him or Jalen Brunson, you would think, are odds-on favorites for player of the Biggest year. In the player of the year, yeah. yeah. I mean, the kid's real. Like, the kid can take over a game. He, he's going to be one of the more dominant scoring options in college basketball, as much as it pains me to say it. He, he's, he's at that level. 
And you would think as a senior, if he takes it up even another notch and he's not playing on an ankle that was hobbled for 70% of last year, True. the kid has and, a chance. And there's an extra to, part or two around him or at yeah, least a, a, a on, more, a, on what should be a really good yeah, team. Right. You know, that, that yeah, I think they're going to take some time uh, figuring out their rotations and what they're going to do at the one and the two. Um, but you've got JP next to him. You've got some guys in the post that, that have experience at least. We know that they're prone to, to having some ups and downs, but I, I would expect you would see an improvement from Tyreek Jones, who I really, really like a lot. O'Mara, who knows? I, mean, I don't think we can adequately guess anything on that kid. You really can at this point. Um, you know, how you does Scruggs. And you add Canner. Yeah, you add Canner. How does Scruggs assimilate himself? How does Marshall assimilate themselves? But those two. Scruggs is a little bit more ball dominant. Najee is a team guy. Like, yeah, I, I think the big thing with the guards is, well, one, you're not relying on the two freshmen. Like anything no. they give you, it's like great. Now, do you want to get some minutes out of Paul Scruggs? Certainly, you're kind of counting on that, but but not in the sense By that the way, he's skinny, six three with a six ten wingspan. I like that. And, it's ridiculous and an incredible motor. But I, I don't think you're looking at this as like, oh man, if Paul Scruggs is as good as we think he can be, Xavier has a chance to be good. It's Xavier's got a chance to be pretty darn good regardless. And if he's what we think he can be. You know, then he really he, adds something. If he adds like what to to make Dan's going to love this because I'm not comparing it to Sean Kilpatrick, um, but you just did. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but you brought it up, so he's really going to love it. Um, like what Cincinnati got from Jacob Evans as a freshman and Jaron Cumberland from as a freshman, right? Which seven, eight points, consistent. You know. 17, 16, 17, 18, 19 minutes off the bench. Well, and the ch- he, he has the chance to be the best defender on the team as yeah. soon as next year. Yeah. So I think if they get something like that, which they haven't really since that freshman class when Trayvon and JP were freshmen, they haven't needed a freshman really to do that. Right. But I think, you know, having a guy like Scruggs, he has the ability to come in and have a, that type of freshman year where he provides an instant impact and, and gets better as the season goes on and becomes more, you know, like you said, right away at, at 6'3 with a 6'10 wingspan with the motor he has, he's going to defend at a pretty high level. Yeah, especially uh, compared fairly to the early. They have. Yeah, so. fairly early. So he's going to get minutes there, and then if you can get more offense out of him as the season wears on, then they become even more dangerous. My guess is he and Quentin continue to defer a lot to J.P. Yeah. and Trayvon next year, and Absolutely. I think that plays to Xavier's benefit because we saw in the tournament when the offense started revolving around those two guys and everyone was just moving and trying to create for them, and then they would like attack closeouts and stuff, Xavier's offense was really difficult to guard. I think the big thing is, does Trayvon stay in that killer mode that we saw in the NCAA I, I, tournament where he was getting well, in the lane and I, making I, all I, types of finishes? I was going to play devil's advocate to the point, does he even try to do more to showcase whatever else he wants to showcase? I don't think that's as much a concern as does JP look at this as I thought this was going to be my year. Trayvon and Edmund were going to be gone. I want to make the NBA too, and he does a little bit too much. But at the same time. I could see I could see Yolo JP showing up again. Yeah, but at the same time, I also wonder if does that mean he becomes a little more engaged and play more like he did in the tournament where he's also attacking more off the dribble? Because even if he does that too much and is too rigorous in how he's attacking the basket and being a little over aggressive. If he's making plays as opposed to just shooting step back fadeaways right, right. and, and long threes, I think this, that benefits this offense regardless. Because well, he was- Ten times the passer at the end of last season than he's been at any Ever. point in his career. Yeah, and, and so if, if he continues playing that way, even if he gets a little more aggressive, I still think they end up being okay. Again, because I don't think Quentin Gooden and Paul Scruggs are quite at that point where they're ready to like 
take, take over, over games on yeah. the offensive end. I feel you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think there's times he hunts, but I think a lot of good offensive players hunt. So, I, I, as I'm trying to think of, of the problem how, is he how just much has those five. He, like he'll have t- two or three good possessions, right? And then he'll have five possessions where you're like, JP's lost his damn yeah, mind. Right. Really, the big thing you want from him is. Limit the turnovers this yeah. year. Yeah. Like you can even live with the, the occasional bad shots because last year that wasn't really that much of an issue. Um, but he the turned tur- it over a ton. The turnovers he had just has some stretches where he'll turn the ball over four times and a half, and it's like can't you, do it. You cannot can't do, do that at this right. point. Yep, no doubt. All right, come, we're done. Right. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to uh, one more thing about Xavier. Yeah, I, I, I knew there wasn't one more thing about Xavier. Um, I was touching on, on UC. I know you, you've uh, you've gone down to some of the workouts and watched some stuff. What's what's impressed you? Who's impressed you? Um, I think the thing that's really that that has stood out so far. They They've got nine guys returning, so there is no teaching. Teaching, yeah, which is the, that's huge. Yeah, especially in a summer setting like that when when you don't when you're not holding guys' hands. Now there's only one freshman in town. Um, at least two and maybe three or more are going to be in next week. Um, you know, they're working on Mamadou's still finishing up some some online stuff, um, but you don't have to hold anybody's hand. And even when these new guys get here. The other guys handle that. The, the the veteran guys handle that. As a coach, you don't have to pull the, you know, stop the drill. You only, because I don't know if people know exactly how the summer works, you get two hours a week of, of on-court instruction. And the way a lot of people do it, I don't know exactly how Xavier does it, but UC will do three sessions a week, 40 minutes where you come in with your position group and you, you go for 40 minutes for individuals. That's a good way because it keeps it fresh. Yeah, and you get three times a week in right. the gym right. where, you know, you're not. Now, when, uh, a little later in the summer, they'll go to team and they'll do two hours, one-hour sessions where they have the full team on right. the court and doing some five-on-five stuff. But I mean, for the most part, the thing that it's really stood out is these guys seem to be ready to go. There's not a lot of babysitting with this group. There's not, you know, I think they, they tasted a 30-win season last year. Um, unfortunately, they got UCLA in that second round and um, had a three-minute stretch where they couldn't hang with them. But for the most part, I think they saw, hey, other than that three-minute stretch, we were right with a top-five-level team throughout that game. And we've got pretty much, I mean, yeah, losing Troy and Kevin hurts, but there are guys to step in for those two um, that, that make that loss Manageable, a lot more manageable in Kane yeah, Broom and yeah, Darren Yeah, and I like them both in what they did, but I, this is not, they are replaceable though, and that, yeah. there, there, are, there are parts to replace them. It, it, it's not like like when they lost. No, hang on, can I do it? It's not like losing Sean Kirkpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to that specific one. Oh come on, you were going to say it. No, I was going to a different. Yeah. When they lost, like the the Yancey Gates. And then cashmere right. right combo. Right, that's true. I mean, that's the your main offensive threat inside yeah. and your main offensive threat outside. They lost him in back-to-back years, yeah. so it wasn't the same year. But it got to the point where Sean Kilpatrick was the only guy left. SK. I brought it around. SK. SK. But you saw, like, those two guys in back-to-back years drastically changed the composition of the roster. Losing Troy and Kevin doesn't drastically change right. the composition right. of this roster. So, you know, you're hoping... And I kind of think there's the argument to be made that, like, look, you don't just necessarily replace Troy Copain. There's no guarantee that Kane Broom is just better than him. But in terms of what you might have wanted to see UC do more of last You're gonna year, see it. it's it's exactly what Kane does better than yeah. Troy, which is play faster, be more dynamic, not grind the half-court offense out so much when he gets into tough situations. And honestly, at some point, you've got to do what's best for Troy Copain, too. Like, 
if if he's good at slowing it down and yeah. and, and being a dude off a ball screen or yeah, isolating, and it's like, funny, you got to let him do that it, some. So I understand why they did it, but and everybody that's always not ass- yeah, and everybody always assumes that, that guys just love this. Some guys don't like the run. Some guys want to get guys into just stuff. aren't fast. Correct. And that, that yeah, <laughs> no, right. So if that's ding. yeah, so if that's the strength, right? I'm with you. I mean, if, if that's what not what he does well, don't force the action. I mean, it just right. doesn't happen that way. So. And, and you've got you know with with Cumberland and Evans. Two guys on the they wing run. that can run yeah. and that can play downhill and, and can, can attack and can finish. Uh, I mean, C- Cumberland might become one of the best finishers in college no basketball. Doubt. There's no doubt. Um, so, and, and Gary Clark and, and Kyle Washington. I talked to Gary. I, I had my phone back about the time we did the last podcast. My phone at least three times a, a week. Somebody would see Gary out and he had a cast on. Because that ankle, remember, he... he Severely damaged his ankle, not in this season, but the previous season, right before the AAC tournament, uh, before the UConn. And just kept re-aggravating it? And it just it, never, it never, never fully yeah. got right. So he had some cleanup work done. Uh, I talked to him last week, and he said it feels as good as it has since the day that that injury happened. And he feels like he's finally got some explosion left. He told me last year they were basically in a situation where – it was just get him healthy enough to play and, and keep him healthy enough to play it throughout the season. It wasn't any further, yeah, obviously. It but just, he just didn't just, have the – pain management. Yeah. Yeah. If you notice, like, he didn't hardly dunk the ball last year. He didn't have – like, when he would get those steals, jump the jump the passing lane and get a steal, he didn't have that explosion to go up for the big dunks like he did. Um, so if he really is back to – being the, the, t- the type of player, to having the type of explosion he did as a freshman and sophomore, along with Kyle Washington, uh, this starting five has a chance to be really, really good. They've got a bunch of dudes returning that, that played off the bench last year that are going to be a year farther into their roles. And, and I love Keith Williams, and I think Trevor Moore is going to be able to help him as a shooter. So uh, it's a really interesting Mick Cronin roster because it's full. There's 13 guys, and... There should be a lot of dudes that are able to contribute to this team. We, we've seen in, in rankings, it seems like a lot of them have, like, UC 14 or 15, Xavier 16 yes, or 17. Yeah. Like, they're usually the right, 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 right next yeah, to each other yes. in almost every rankings I've seen. Even the ones that have them lower seem to have both of them lower. You know, like, one's 18, one's 20 or something like that. So, I mean, I, I, like, I don't think there's much of a difference to be made in the preseason or much of an argument here. I think they're both right. I think that's right. I think they're very similar teams. Both have a chance to be really good potentially elite eight type teams, yep. you know, and then from there, anything can happen. Skinny, what, what, who would you rank high? I mean, cause obviously there's no point in getting it from us. Who would you rank higher going into the preseason? I'd probably rank UC higher just because I, th- I there's a few more proven, proven parts, but Trayvon coming back just based on what they did in the tournament. And I know you can always look, you can always take those in a vacuum and go, dude, it was just a, it was a three game run. That was a great three game run. Right. And they struggled during be, the regular yeah, you season. You may not be yeah. able to replicate that three game run ever again. If you tried it, um, I, I, UC just has more parts, and if Kane Broom is the real deal, and I'm not looking for 24 points per game from Sacred Heart Kane Broom, but if he's the real deal, he told me he, he changes do- the dynamic. He told me he in, in a really good way. He doesn't have the ability to score less than 15 points a game, is what he told me last I year. You told, I remember you said that. <laughs> I remember you said that. But no, I mean they are. I mean they're both right together. It's going to make next year so much fun. It I, really is. I think they might be closer okay. to top 10. Both I, of them, and they I, might I, be. I kind of agree with that, but at the same time, I don't have any like any problem with no. people saying like, oh, 15. Like, yeah, the only. Thing like I said, the only, not that much of a and especially with national guys, like there's, they don't know 
the intricacies, the ins and outs that you Correct. and I know. Right. Uh, and that's what I said. The only thing that surprised me is when some people redid their rankings to watch Xavier, Xavier dropped a little drop bit. a little bit off of getting their best player back, arguably. You're right, arguably an All-American level player. That made me scratch my head. That's well, the it, only thing that did. It was just shocking to me that I don't, I didn't see anyone hardly. Maybe I just completely missed it, but I didn't see any rankings really that were redone that moved them up like three or four spots. No, no, it no. no. Like I, everyone, I, 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 I remember one that I think jumped them up to like 12, but I don't remember. Like it was a smaller one. I don't I, remember I what exactly like it was. Because I actually was starting to cobble a story together one day about it and just ran out of time because I I saw five or six different ones. And I don't think any of them that I saw moved them up. In fact, like I said, I think there was one yeah. that, that I remember. I think the thing with Xavier is you look at him and you're like, well, if they didn't have Trayvon, it was like, well, they have the chance to be good. But there's, like you said, a lot more question marks. Right. And it's like, do they have, do, are they really going Who's to reach that go potential? To? Is JP ready to be the man? Yeah. And now with him back, you look at him and you go, they got a chance to be really good. I just think there's a much better chance that's going to happen because you would think there's a lot less in, risk in theory, involved between, now. Between the end of the NCAA tournament and today, you've added, you've re-added a player that you thought was was going to go. And a top an 10 recruiting level. class. Top 10 recruiting class, which you at least had some parts of that, and a guy who's been a contributor on another Division One roster since the end of that. Those are, that's a pretty good re-addition, for lack of a better term, because you – you, you were probably thinking, you, hey, you're not getting blew it, and you I mean, didn't know you were getting Karim Canner. I mean, let, let's be honest. Edmund Sumner probably wasn't going to play if he came back. <laughs> like, it, it, if he didn't stay in the draft, what, what, when, when, when would he have been back? February, mid February? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're talking about because for, you think you thought, I, I, thought, I thought you meant there wasn't going to be enough room for him. I was like, wait, no, yeah. no, no, what, no, what are we no, doing no. here? No, like, even if he, he stayed. Like he's not going to be back on the floor until January, the mid February, like yeah, at best. At yeah, best. it might have been so, March. So whatever. if you like, you, it's not like taking him out of the right. mix changes the, their prospect or their position or what they no, were. That had already been, and, I think that had already been factored they, by people when they'd ranked already. So. And they lost Malcolm Bernard, who was fabulous in the postseason, but as replaceable as it gets. Yeah, and and Rashid Gaston, who. Was a ghost at times. Like, did he exist? In he almost season. He really did. It. Yeah. So, like, I, I, they didn't lose anything. Yeah. Like on paper, you say they lost Edmund Sumner, but he wasn't going to play. Yeah. And, and, and when he did play, what was he going to be like? Well, and the, he was physically. on the team when they yeah. were struggling yeah. to figure it out all year, and when he got hurt. And this is not a, a shot at him at all because it's not. No, his it was fault. almost like roles fell into place. Yeah, but yeah. they did figure it out once he was gone. So it was like the, the team that got to the elite eight is absolutely the team that's coming back. You know, I mean, correct minus Malcolm Bernard, and that team and I, wasn't as talented as it was with Edmund Sumner, but the parts fit better. And right. I mean, I mean, if if I, if I've got to pick between Paul Scruggs and Malcolm Bernard, no brainer. I, I talked a lot of good things about Malcolm Bernard last year, but I'm I'm going to pick Paul Scruggs. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and with Cincinnati, I think you know it's easy to look at that roster and say, "Ooh," especially you yeah, look at starting well, five. Well, I mean, I mean look, Kevin, Kane Broom, Jaron Cumberland, Kevin, Jacob Evans. Kevin Johnson had some streaky moments shooting the basketball, and he is a really good defender. I, I thought he had a really good senior year, I did better too. than I expected. I, so but, did I. but for three years, I was waiting for them to replace him. Like, but, why is he getting minutes at all? Yeah. But it's not that he's not a replaceable part. That's the other thing to it. I, I, think, I mean, defensively, I he's think very, he's very, very good. He was, he very, was important yes. to what they did Absolutely. defensively. And, and that's where they'll maybe miss him a little bit, especially if you're going with that starting lineup where Jordan's at the two. You know what I think you're going to see is I think you're going to see Jacob Evans become their perimeter defender. Stopper. Well, he has well, to be, right? He has to well, be. Because Cumberland's not going to do it. And, and Kane's not big enough to really be yeah. like a stopper on the wing. How much more of a rim protector defender can Gary Clark be when he's healthy, yeah. too? I mean, if you remember, he was the American Conference Defensive Player of the Year right. as a sophomore. Right. Which I didn't really think was right. 
all the way. But that, but that, that tells you, though. It tells you the type of, uh, of impact that he had, correct. you know, defensively. So um, the, you look at their starting five, and it's it's really, really strong. Um, I want to ask you guys this. I think Jaron Cumberland ain't looking around to fern to a soul. I just, not anymore. I, I, not I, after, you know, uh, he did that for about half the season yeah, last year. And yeah. once he figured it out. Yep. Uh, once he, he was done with that by mid-January. Once, once him and JP squared up, and Jaron was just like, "Get on the train, big boy. I'm the, uh, we're yeah. going downhill, and you're coming with me." All of a sudden, it seemed like that light clicked in his head. He like, had a couple of bad I moments belong. on the road after that. Yeah. But, Do you think it was the shootout game where it turned? Because that's where I, I, thought I it was. Yeah. That's where I thought it was. I thought his confidence skyrocketed after yeah. that. Like I said, he, he wilted a little bit, a couple of road games, but eh, it, he's it, a yeah. freshman. Right. I, w- I will say he's made for that type of stuff. Like yeah. that's the thing I always loved about him is he he will disappear at times like he'd do that in AAU where you wouldn't see him for two or three games but then the best dude that he was going to play against that weekend all of a sudden he put 36 on right. go back you know? to it, if you've got a guy that's going to run the floor with you you are going to run the floor more often and get more opportunities yeah. if you realize and this is no knock if you realize well we're going to get a defensive rebound they're going to turn they're going to hand it to the point guard he's going to walk it up we're getting a set chances are you aren't going to run so I mean how much more is he going to be out in the open court yeah. well, in the better floor? shape too right absolutely I mean, dude He's in great shape right Mike, now. Mike Rayfelt just he he is as good as it gets at his job. I think both both schools really have great strength and conditioning. Mike coaches. is phenomenal. But uh, Mike Rayfelt he posted a picture the other day of Jacob Evans from when he arrived on campus to it's where he is now, it? and it's like, oh my god! It's and, that, and that stuff should be taken human. for granted. I mean, I, I think we don't see nobody. You don't see that usually. And even as a fan, when a guy comes back, you may be seeing him more cut on a case, but you don't see some of the conditioning stuff where you've taken. 10% body fat and made it five or whatever right. number you want to throw out there or made a guy a little quicker with some, some agility stuff or with some weight stuff. I mean, I think it, it's obviously important enough that, that what Archie Miller did at, in, at Indiana was get Cliff Marshall from Ignition Sports to come be his director of player performance. I mean, I think he thought that was that important of a position. It, to is. Have. it I mean, is. It is. I think a lot of school at this point in 2017, there's so much knowledge and technology out there that I think most schools are pretty good about at this point. Like your guys are going to get better, but I think like, especially Mike Rayfeld and, and Matt Jennings are exceptional at their jobs. It's an, it's an interesting profession too, because most of that profession, they're football guys. Yeah. Right. And they, you know, like Mike has talked to me before in the past about having to, to, to learn the difference in getting guys ready for football as opposed to getting guys ready for basketball. Well, I mean, that guy used to be called the strength and conditioning coach because that's what you were looking for. Yeah. Now you've got a guy who's now director of player performance, and, and, which is way more rounded. And it's not the, the, I'm, but it's just a more rounded position yeah. of what these guys and, do. And what I think people don't realize is, like, outside of the season, that's who your guys are with the most. Right, yeah. That, yeah they're so they with, better be good. That yeah. guy is, is in charge of your program. Like sixty percent of the time in the off season. Yeah. There's also the trust factor. Yeah. Like yeah if the right. kids like that guy and buy in, it's a whole different yes. ball yeah. game than if they're just suffering through those sessions with yeah. them. And, yeah. And I think in both cases, Jennings and Rayfelt, they both have that trust from their players. Yeah, that's a good segue. Speaking of suffering, obviously Thad Mon has been suffering with that back since wow. he had the surgery what a decade ago. So we the <laughs> dude just got fired, skinny. Jesus H Christ. Well, no, that's that's gonna touch I mean, on. I mean his segue work there was <laughs> his segue game was it, it was it was a little biting. Actually, it was a little biting, but actually it was, he was not fired because they came to a no, mutual he was fired. agreement. <laughs> Wait a minute, they came no, no. to a mutual no, no, agreement. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the press. They came to a, a mutual agreement. Yeah, the mutual agreement was you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the initial reports that day were that he was going to coach one more year. That yeah. changed when the day got later on, and they came to the press conference, and basically they came. To, what happened, in your opinion? What, I, I what, think, what changed? What, why now? Why not March 25th or whenever the hell their season ended? Actually, earlier than one, that, sorry, one, March 9th. 
I, I think we're yeah, well. And the weird thing is, is this is Ohio State's mo. This is when they do stuff. It's weird. If you go back to when Thad was hired, it was in June. It, it was the same deal. Yeah, but that was because of the O'Brien stuff had come out. Yeah, that was right. yeah. But I mean, they this do stuff. That weird. They, they don't ever do anything at like. Uh, when you think of but, it, but stand out. I mean, that, that makes something more sense with something like that, or like the Huggins situation, where you do it because something of something had a, to have changed since the end of March and June the second. Well, I, I think down. Darius Baisley decommitting. I think that was them. a big part of I it. Think Honestly, Jaquan Lyle. Was that, was, that the, was that the camel? I mean, the straw that broke the camel's back. That and, that and Jaquan Lyle. I think it is uh, dropping out. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly think I, we I, have to take Gene Smith at his word. Like, what he said oh, was the recruit, true. Yeah, yeah. recruiting. Yeah, well, recruiting. And he here's the thing. We'd, we'd give you one more year to turn this around, and then they freaked out when they saw the fact that well, the, here, one of their most talented players was leaving and their most talented recruit decommitted. And and Hunter wasn't coming. And if you look at the Ohio, the, the talent in Ohio for 2018, I don't think it's great. I think it's yeah, there's a couple guys that guys, are yeah. there's a couple guys. Basley had a really good May. I'm still not a huge fan. I'm not either, but um, but, but he was a commitment but, and he was a top level commitment. Jerome Hunter lost. is really really good, and Ohio State was never really considered much of a factor for him. Uh, the Cohill kid um, from up north, you know, he wasn't really considering him. So I think you know Gene Smith's looking around and going, it's getting worse. And there's no indication that it's even remotely about to get better. No, right. That, no, I, because if they well, let, and I'm not discounting the, the decision that was made, and I'm not not saying it was probably the wrong. It wasn't the wrong decision. I think. I think honestly, they did Thad a favor. To be quite frank, I mean, I he just he appeared miserable well, physically, and, and just miserable. Maybe, but the timing of this is absolutely wrong. This was the second worst decision they could have made. The worst decision would have been doing what people were initially reporting, and that's doing Shaka. a lame duck coach. No. Yeah, putting Chris Jen in there as the interim. Doing no. a lame duck Having coach, for, coach you. for a year. Oh, yeah. Saying, oh, saying yeah. we're going to yeah. fire you after yeah. next year because yeah. then it just then, kills your recruiting well, for yeah, over a year and a half. You're backlogged a year, if not two years, yeah. before you can get new uh, blood uh, in there and get things. Yeah, that would be the most yeah. ridiculous thing Agreed. you could do. So Agreed. when people were reporting that, I was like, there's no way. He's losing his job now because you just would not do that. Now, this timing, it really screwed them over and made them. See, I think they got a really good coach. But, well, I want to get to that part. I'm because I do. I'm, I'm with you. That's it, separate. I think you yeah, can screw it up and still fall into no, here, a really good that coach. Exact now, thing. here's the here's the, I did here's the something part similar too. Obviously, Gene Smith had somebody in mind. Shaka Smart. The, the night the night it happened. Um, I've had two people in athletic administration confirm that Shaka Smart was. I disagree. I've heard that's not true. I, Okay, well, let's just go with the ground basis of if you make that kind of decision on this late of a date, you at least have someone you've talked to that you have in mind. And and as soon as Wednesday came and no hire was made, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, something happened. Now, part of it was if Holtman – um, dragged that eighth year out of them, which is I want to get well, to that contract I mean, too because it was initially seven. He dragged it no, to eight. it was six. Oh, was he it? said it was six. He said no. They went to Greg Marshall. Marshall said no. They came back with seven, and then he wanted eight. He said no. They went to McDermott. They went to or McDermott is who yeah, I meant, yeah, not, not Greg Marshall. They went though. to yeah, McDermott. Yeah. He came back with seven, and and he, and Holtman said no again. That's when you heard the Mike Brown stuff, right? And the Mike Brown stuff didn't go so well. So they came back to Holtman and, and said eight. Finally, and got him for eight. It feels like the right hire at the end of the day. I mean, it, it really does. They ended up getting it right, yeah. and Chris Holtman, uh, good for him. He got a great deal. Oh, I mean, he eight got years. eight years, which oh. is what which is what you should be wanting. Not necessarily eight, but you should be, should be wanting a long contract sure. in this situation because you're screwed for 
two, or, right. two with three years probably. And also, he got $3 million for those eight years, mm-hmm. which is probably more than I would have thought Ohio 3. State 1, had to pay was. Chris Holtman. It's $24 mil, but maybe 24 and change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking you could get him for 2.5, considering Butler is 10th out of 10th in what they in, pay in their the coaches right. in the Big East. Xavier's ninth. Um, but you know, I was thinking that you could get him at a much more discounted rate. So eight years, three million, that's a great deal for Chris Holtman. And I think for Ohio State's sake, they got a guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah. I'm not sold on one as a big-time recruiter. I think he's done a either. good job of that the last few years at Butler with an increased profile. I'm interested to see what he will do with Ohio Yeah, because he's going to get a profile resources. jump again. And, yeah. and those, you know, if you're Ohio State, you can get in about 95% of the living rooms. Yep. Maybe you can't get in on the top five kids, but if the kid's – Right there in the top ten, you you're going to get listened to if you're Ohio State. So we'll see how his staff handles that. It's going to be really interesting to see how well they recruit Ohio. Um, he he's got a lot of work to do, but I think it's a really good hire. Yeah, no, I I mean it, it was funny. Somebody asked me the night it happened. A friend of mine on just going back and forth on Twitter on other stuff, and he said, "What do you think?" I said, "I don't know." Chris Holtman just feels right to me, and it, and it just did. It just it felt like I did. I was with you. I didn't think they had to go to extremes financially to get him. Um, just get Apparently him. they did, though. No, no, but my point is I didn't think they'd have to go to that extreme. He's had very good success at that program. This well, seems like the next logical step. It just it, it felt right. It felt like he was the right guy. Let's let's go back to this year and, and Butler all year. We kept looking at that roster and going, How? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? And they won 26 or 27 games or whatever it was, and he maximized yeah. every dude that he had on that roster. He's going to have to do a hell of a lot of that over the next two to three years at Ohio State. Without question. Because there's not – I mean, Ohio's been in a funk. Like, there's a guy or two every year, but there hasn't been a whole lot of depth in terms of – Certainly not the all-Ohio right no. guys that we saw with, like, Payne and Kraft and no. Sullinger and no. Staten and all those guys. No, and, 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 and that was one team. Names and, and think of the core of Ohio State guys. Yeah, they all – yeah. So, I mean, it's a matter of he's going to have to get those two guys or those three guys that are that high-level guy from Ohio. He should still be able to make a little bit of waves in Indiana. Um, there's been a history of guys from Indiana, Indiana, Indianapolis going to Ohio State. He's going to have to keep that up and pluck a guy or two from there. Um, I, I think it's. I think he's a really good fit for the job. I mean, do I think he's a better coach than Thad Mata? I think that remains to be seen. Yeah. But I, I think Thad was getting killed on the recruiting trail. He was. Because coaches were coaches saying. Coaches would tell his health thing. He may yeah. not be able to go next year. And why would you go there with, with the guy People who People were literally saying year. he was going to die. Right. Yeah. I, I've got nothing for that. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say about that. And I can probably guess a few of the assistants who are doing it, to yeah. be quite honest. That's the problem. I, I could probably give you three or four names. but Well, spe- speaking of names, and, and when the firing went or the, the, the news first came down, obviously Chris Mack's name got thrown in the mix. Mick's name nationally got thrown in the mix because everybody is assuming, well, he's from Cincinnati, so he's automatically <laughs> from Ohio, would, would, would take place. Such on Chris first, how serious would he have been if they'd have – Made a right offer, and, and how serious might 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 they have been? He was never even looking for the job, and he had told people that ahead of time, like Put his house quietly. In the market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there were, there was rumors out there for a while that Chris would not be interested in taking that job um, before this even became a real thing, and everyone knew it was going to happen. But once it becomes a real thing, and someone says like, "Hey, do you want three point five million dollars to be our coach?" I was interested to see what would really happen. Yeah. Would he listen or not? Um, he didn't, did he? And he never did. And I think there's three reasons for that. One, they just 
did move. I mean, they haven't that, moved that, yet. That, just, that is one of the funniest coincidences of, of yeah. all time, though. Oh my god, Max' house is up for sale, and it got listed the night before all this stuff yeah. broke. And wait so a minute, it was he's like on a plane. I got plane tracker. Yeah. There's a plane he's supposedly on going to Columbus. <laughs> he's on Turks and he's at Turks and Caicos. <laughs> yeah. It must be. It must be where they're meeting with Gene Smith. That's, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was. It was funny because that whole process. Like, don't get me wrong. The max, and if he's going to go make $3.5 million somewhere else, like buying a new house and having just closed on that isn't going to stop him from taking a job like that if he wants to take it. But at the same time, if you've been through the moving process and you've got all that paperwork, especially when you're talking about homes like that, you've got all the proper paperwork and it has to get, you know, people have to come and check it out so they can list it for the right price and all these inspections and stuff like that. It's a process. You get done with all that, you just finally get through that process. You really now wanna, you're going to move to you're Columbus? Gonna, you're going to do all that over and, and, and increase. The, now you've got two houses on the market, and you've got that house. I mean, there's all types of things going on. So I think that made it really easy just to be like, we're not doing that well, again. Well, with that kind of raise, he could have just kept the other house. And- the- Summer home. <laughs> summer, summer home in Northern summer, Kentucky. Summer home, Northern, 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 Northern. This is true. Like I said, certainly not something that like takes you out of the equation, but I think it was something that helped make me like, we're not even thinking about right. this right now with, with him and his family. Um, also, I think the timing of this, again, was huge. If you do this in March... I think you've got a lot better chance of getting someone like him to maybe listen to you. Trayvon Blewett's decision isn't made. Right. right. I don't You're know that I have my best team coming back yet. Yes, yeah. you know? Right. Like, all those things. Plus, he, he likes Thad Mata. He's, yeah. you know, Thad Mata was a Xavier guy. He likes Thad Mata. He sees him get treated like that. That's not ideal timing for him to be like, oh, okay, now I really want that job. You know, right. it's, it doesn't look good on Ohio State, and it doesn't necessarily look great if you're the one coming and taking that job, and you're, you know, you're a guy who really likes Thad Mata. So I think things like that really made it easy, and then just having the best chance he's ever had at a Final Four. Really, when you think of, this is his most talented roster coming back, I think without question. And, and mixed name nationally is uh, people no. people trying to connect dots. Like <laughs> I said, well, he's Cincinnati. He's had success. Sounds like a next logical step up because it's just it's, a, it's he's in Ohio, but. No way. Those are two sides that do not appreciate each other. And he, we'll leave it at that. He does not care for them. They do not care for him. Yeah. He is just – I mean, he's taken multiple runs at Ohio State before for not playing UC and Xavier. I mean, yep. for not stepping up and playing the in-state schools, for for being a monopoly that they want to be. You know, he, he, is, he has been very vocal about his disdain for the way things are done at that university. And I know that there's a lot of people up there that run that university that are not fans of Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin is not fans of them. So that was – Never going to happen. And, you know, unfortunately for some of the fans out there that I think are wondering, oh, you know, with the new coach and everything, is that going to change? Is there the possibility that UC and Xavier might start playing Ohio State with Holtman there? I wouldn't expect it because it's not Holtman making that call. No, that's right, right, from right, above. Down. Right, yeah, right. so I still don't think that's ever going to happen. No. Uh, Unless, hey, if, if everybody leaves and Xavier's down to one scholarship player and they get a new coach <laughs> and they got to start over. Yeah. Then it becomes Ohio, easy pickings. And Ohio State has the number one player in the draft, you know, number one pick yeah. in the draft on their team. Then they'll, they'll call. Yeah. yeah. Then, then they'll, they'll call. You know. Then I, they'll call. I think one thing that's getting overlooked with the Chris Mack and Ohio State thing is Chris deserves some credit over the last few years because there has been, I mean, this is the biggest one for sure, but there's been a few others that have been brought up. But IU was one. He, I use another one, but yeah. it was, they didn't come to him like right, no, Ohio no, but, State yeah. did in this situation. That's an, uh, Chris Mack doesn't like IU. <laughs> IU doesn't like Chris Mack. <laughs> um, he, he has that opportunity to say, I'm interested, and talk, and do what Greg McDermott did, which Greg McDermott should have done, absolutely. 
But Chris, I think, appreciates the fact that Xavier has really maxed itself out to try to bring up his compensation, the compensation of the rest of his staff, and he hasn't held him to the fire after that and, and tried to hold him hostage and say, yeah. I need more, I need more, I need well, more. I think he's appreciated said, I know you're doing what you can. I know I'm not getting paid enough because, again, Xavier is ninth out of 10 in the Big East in terms of coach compensation, but he's still not putting pressure on that. And there, and there really is more. a ceiling at some point. I mean, there just, there just is. And Xavier's and, and about if, maxed out right you, now. And if you really – if you know that's the fact – then, then you just either wait for the first best job that comes along that can pay you more. You realize I'm in a pretty good situation, getting paid a pretty good piece of change, and they're doing the best they can. So, and, and so I think he deserves some credit for that right. because a lot of guys would just continue to take hey, the, chase if, the money. If run. Ohio State's going to say sure. 3.5 million. I'm going to put it out there so I at least it. put some pressure on my school. I mean, he did the four million in Georgetown thing got out right. <laughs> this, this is true, but I mean, he didn't listen. He didn't talk to these people I, or interview. I, I, what I was going to say though was I, that was just joking. Aside, aside. Calm yes. down, Xavier fans. Um, <laughs> the only place that that I know I would be overly concerned with, and I think it's probably the same place that you would be concerned with on Mac leaving, as far as Mick leaving. It's the same place. Is U of L? <laughs> That's the yeah, funny thing yeah. is when that comes open, both know, fan both bases are going to lose right. their minds yeah. because both of them know. And only one can go. You yeah. can't take both. I mean, so, <laughs> no. Here's what happens. <laughs> Mick takes the job. Matt goes cross town like Guggen's did to, to UC. <laughs> yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> that was uh, that was a funny deal. There you go. Yes. Yes, that it was. was. rather enjoyable. Uh, let's touch on Kentucky real quickly. Then I do want to get on the draft for just a, a moment before we get out of we here. We are going long on Hamid this. Uh, does decide to, to come to Kentucky. But it, it, it sounded like it got a little more dice here at the end that he was thinking about jumping. No, I don't think so. I, I think – look, I think – he was always it was always going to be like a somewhat difficult decision because he was going to go in the first round of the draft. Yes. Without See, that wasn't guaranteed though. I don't think. Oh, I he think was, first round. He yes. kept being projected twenty five to thirty. That doesn't mean you're guaranteed. If I'm if I think I'm going to be guaranteed, I better be in the teens. I agree. He, he should not have gone, and that's why you know I don't I've, think it got as dicey as people made it. I think people were dramatizing the situation a little bit. That's and probably he, true. He definitely played it oh, up. He played it up well, yeah. by not announcing until the very end. Yeah, and and in UK's twenty four hour news cycle, yeah. you've got to talk about something. So, it, you know, I'll say it's big for him, that, big for them that he is coming yes. back because yes. it gives you one a, a high level defender on the wing, which I think they needed. But more importantly, I don't know who was going to play the two if he wasn't on the team. So I think this just get. I mean, they're going to be ridiculous, long and athletic. At some point, does UK need to recruit a shooter? It's a, it's a weird roster construction. I don't. I don't know. How well that roster is constructed, bro. But I, they're super talented, super long and well, athletic. And, 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 which they typically are. And you are as inexperienced as you've ever been, though. There's not an there's not there's not a you've got to. four combo forwards. Yep. I mean, Knox is probably going to have to play the three. Yep. But he's not a traditional like three. Jared Vanderbilt thinks he's a three, but the kid has no chance at a, at a professional career playing small forward. He can't shoot, and he's he's not really all that good off the bounce. P.J. Washington's a four with some skill that I love, but you've got three guys right there, and then and then Sasha Kalea Jones. He doesn't fit into that into, into anywhere other than that combo forward type spot. And Nick Richards is really your only center on the roster because they didn't get Bamba. Do you think Cal should make a more concerted effort in the incoming recruiting classes to look for? Hey, yes, I can get. Oh, I can well, always they, get the most talented guy. But should I occasionally go for? They did go and get that kid that decommitted from Cal, the shooter. Right. Uh, I can't remember Gerald or I forget his name, but um, I've heard good things about him in terms of being a shooter, uh, and I like uh, and, Shy Alexander. 
long term. But I don't know that he's a guy that can help this year. But I totally get what you're saying. It's 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 roster construction. Well, here's the he's thing. He's accumulating, and I don't know how well these – I don't know that this puzzle fits together. And he always goes and tries to address the skill, the shooter, by getting a Juco or getting a transfer or whatever. And he doesn't play them. That, see, that's the issue. You're not <laughs> getting the guy that you're like – you're always recruiting over that guy. Right. And you're like, I'm never really going to use him. He's never going to be a big part of what he do. what we do. Do you think he needs to say, like, I'm going to target Alex O'Connell? You know what I mean? Like the kid going to Louisville yeah. who can really shoot. Do you, do you think at some point – Correct. Do you think at some point you target a guy like that who's maybe just a tier below what you normally I mean, get? To an extent, really they skilled. have though. That Devin Booker was kind of that guy. Uh, Lamb was kind of that guy. Um, I mean, not a ton. It they targeted like, Kennard. It just he, feels for like the last there. three or four no, years. No, saying who's going to shoot the ball. No, for I this agree. UK team. Yeah. Uh, well, Booker was phenomenal, and that yeah, kid. But how long ago was that? that was, four years ago? God, was that really that long ago? I mean, it's Booker's right. been in the NBA for a few years now. It's at least three. Yeah. So that's the last one. You're right. I mean, yeah. And I, lo- I mean, Devin Booker was a no-brainer kid. I thought. I, th- yeah. I loved him, and I did AAU, too. So like, I didn't think that was like, oh, hey, we're gonna. That's not reaching for a shooter. That right. kid could play, but right. he also could really shoot the ball, yeah. and he was a legit, like two, three, like wing type guy. Like that was his. Although, when they recruited him, I would have argued that he... I mean, he's probably definitely a 3, but I would have argued he's more of a 3-4 than a 2-3 when he was coming in high school. I guess... Because he couldn't handle it all. See, I, I, I must have saw him play better when I saw him. I mean, but a couple times first, I saw him. Two years at UK... Or for his first year at UK, he couldn't handle. Devin Booker? Yeah. I thought he was pretty decent. Acceptable. He's in the NBA. He's, he's not bad. Seventy-two points. Put up seventy game. points in the game in the yeah. NBA. So no, I, I love Devin Booker, but I, I but either way, that's neither here nor there. I just it's interesting how the roster construction has worked. I, out I'm just them. not sure this roster is constructed real well. It's going to be. I mean, you're going to have you, you're going to have guys that that, that aren't going to play at all because there's just a log jam, a log jam at, a position. at the three four, and you're going to have guys that maybe shouldn't be on the floor at Kentucky yet. At the two and the three, because they have to be. Because they have to be. Yeah. So, uh, and Quade Green, you know, here's here's what's interesting to me, Rick, when we talk about Kentucky. But the game has evolved to the point that you need to have four or five guys on the floor that can score at all times, right? Quade Green's not a scorer, and Nick Richards, not really a scorer, and Hamadou Diallo, he's really athletic, but he he's not a shooter. He's not like overly skilled in the mid-range. So right there alone, now if Knox is really good and P.J. Washington's really good offensively or, you know, whoever, Shy Alexander or the other kid, Gerald Murray or what? Jamar Baker. Jamar, yeah, yeah Jamar Baker, that's what it is. Um, if those two guys can give you a little bit maybe, but you're looking at skinny two-and-a-half spots on the floor that, that don't right, score. Right. And the way that the game is gone, that's, that's not ideal. I mean, that puts them in a hole. Now, they're going to be long and incredibly athletic, and, and if they gel together defensively, you know, maybe they can erase some of that. But Doesn't mean the wins will come. No, especially on the road. Right. You get on the road in what should Don't, be an improved SEC. Right, very improved. They're going to struggle at times, I think. I, I mean, I think I could see this being a 7-8-9 loss type team. Even with the talent that they have, just because I don't know offensively how it fits. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I think the Baker kid is a good point. You, you He... You know he is a he's two- a four star shooter, right? And, and so he he was a guy that was ranked in the top one hundred. I think he will make a difference long term, and th- that's probably the direction I'm talking about them moving and going yeah. forward. Is that you have a Shy guy Alexander that's too, a sophomore or a junior yeah. that can really shoot on your roster. What they didn't do is they didn't backfill when they knew Hawkins 
was, was going to be a senior. Right. You should have brought somebody in as a freshman last year and let him sit, and then he would have been ready to step into that role this year. Now you're rec- rec- you know, counting on a freshman that hasn't proven right. it. And it just seems like we've been saying that for a couple of years. Yeah. And part of that's the one-and-done thing. I yeah. get that. But you know, I think there's an opportunity Take to maybe Take a kid in look, the 70s right. that it, can it, really shoot. Like this Baker kid seems yeah. like the right type of guy that we're talking about. Uh, let's talk uh, NBA draft quickly. We'll, 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 I'm not going through the whole whole list of it, but it seems like Markel Fultz has been settled as maybe. Boy, how about him taking shots at Lonzo? <laughs> well, th- th- I want to get to Lonzo taking shots at his dad. No, I, I just, just about where that? just about where he falls. I mean, d- does does he does he not fall beyond two, or does somebody just get squeamish and then he starts to fall a little bit down the board? I mean, I think his dad already spoke it into existence, so I'm pretty sure he'll be a Laker. But I don't, man, apparently the Lakers love Josh Jackson. I don't blame them, but I also think anytime you hear a team loves another guy know, before it's, the it's, draft, yeah. it's the team it's putting out misinformation. Sure. That being said, um, I would not blame anyone who is like, "Hey, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna be cool on that whole Lonzo and well, his and, dad." And it's thing. not like Josh Jackson isn't a guy that might end up being, being a better, better NBA player. I, I mean, when you're talking about the top three picks in the draft, I think this draft is like. Yeah, you can easily take Josh Jackson and Markel Fultz and feel really, really good yeah. about that. Josh Jackson might be the best long term. That being said, I still like Markel Fultz as the best player in this draft. I do too. I do too. Yeah, no, I was like, he's going one probably. It's a matter of yeah. the, of of what what becomes of Lonzo, and if if he doesn't go Lakers, do the next two teams go? I'm not taking that on, and I'm not taking that on, and Here's maybe the, they don't. I, well, I mean, the Sixers, yeah. They uh, they love that stuff. Uh, like, and for the record, uh, he'd be really interesting. Could you imagine, roster. like, if Embiid gets healthy and the rest of that roster, and you put Lonzo on there to, to dish? I mean, I think they've got some pieces legitimately that are looking pretty impressive yeah. going forward. So you add him in the mix, that might be what they need. Um, one thing I think everyone misses when they talk about the Lonzo thing and being scared about that is – does it – Lonzo's, it's not Lonzo. Lonzo's dad has never been an issue for Lonzo. It's never affected him, and it's not new to him. Lonzo's dad has been crazy Lonzo's entire life, and Lonzo has dealt with that just fine. It's Did all you... of us learning about him yeah. through the media that are like, oh, man, that's going to be a problem. He's, he's going to scare it off. It's like, I don't know that it necessarily is because Lonzo has been dealing with it his entire life. He knows how crazy his dad is, and he still goes and balls out. He did it all year at UCLA while his dad was making that ridiculous media tour, which was a new thing at that right, time, no doubt. the yep. national media attention, and it didn't affect him at all. He was great. Did you year. see the commercial? Which one? The new Foot Locker commercial. No. Oh, you, you, have, you have to watch this immediately when the podcast is over. Or, or we can stop and you can pull it up now. It's Lonzo making fun of Lavar. Good. And, and I love it, well, it. what the the premise is? It's it's NBA rookies, the draft class, sending wet wishes to their dad on Father's Day. With Father's Day and the draft so close together, Foot Locker asked us to reflect on everything dads do for us on our journeys to the NBA. Dads are special. So many memories. All those games of one-on-one in the driveway where he let me win. Just just never missing a game. Of course, there's that big day when your dad berates your high school coach in front of an entire crowd for not getting you enough touches. Waking up early to drive to all those faraway tournaments. Or that special moment when your dad sits you down and tells you where you're going to college. Copyrights your name to make it a part of a family lifestyle brand. Went on first take and shouted back and forth with Stephen A. Smith about how you're already better than the reigning league MVP. 
All those interviews from the stands during college games. The public spats with the all-time great soundbite after soundbite to the national media. And then tells 29 out of 30 teams to not bother drafting you. And fishing. We went fishing a lot. It was it was fantastic. It, it was really good. And I think in a certain respect, LeVar's been like the sacrificial lamb for, yeah. for this whole thing. He's willing to make an ass out of himself and put all of it on him and then let Lonzo be the more normal even killed one. I think that's kind of working out for them, like in the I media. Agree. I think people like Lonzo. And go play. Yep. Especially after that, the whole like Twitter was a buzz for four hours when that video came out. Like I actually, oh my god, I like this kid. Has there ever really been a time that Lonzo's come off poorly? No, though? no. Like, I think no. any time he's had national media obligations, he's came out looking pretty good. No, I mean the only time he's looked bad is when De'Aaron Fox kicked his ass twice. And, well, that's that <laughs> the other question. Then I mean, is he is he the right player to go? at number two is is yeah i mean i think he fits what the lakers would need yeah and and, i mean either way i I don't think you can go wrong with either kid if it's if you're deciding between lonzo ball and josh jackson you've got two incredibly good choices like and i don't think there's anybody behind that usually that's nine miles behind the times anyway so and i don't think there's anybody that's behind those three that really jump up and and no, are on the same I mean, level as those Fox three guys. Is, Fox is in the five six ish range. Yeah, uh, Jason, and I know Kentucky Jason fans Tatum. will say, "Well, Fox whipped his head." Yeah, well, Jason I'll, Tatum's I'll, in that four five. I think six Fox range. has got a chance to be long term. That's the guy. I Jason look at Tatum. Tatum. I think yeah. Tatum could end up being the best player in this draft See, overall. We've always disagreed on him. Yeah, but you also like Harry Giles a lot more than I do. Well, that was I liked Harry Giles a lot more when he had two knees. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I I didn't Still get to see it. He's probably a top twenty pick. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was a big Harry Giles guy. I just I, I I I will say on Tatum, I like that some of the stuff I saw at Duke, he expanded his range and was it was better. Uh, from the perimeter than what I had saw him in AAU because he relied on that mid-range game almost exclusively in AAU from the stuff I saw. Getting to the rim a little bit in the mid-range, he wasn't consistent from the perimeter at all, I didn't Yeah, think. I, th- I always thought he was kind of a guy who could get done from all three levels. But either, either way, I think long-term he could be the best player in the draft. The funniest thing about the, the Josh Jackson-Lonzo Ball situation is I actually think Lonzo is more of a sure thing. I think Josh Jackson has more upside, but it's yeah. more of a risk, yeah. to be quite honest. Well, I mean, Jackson's going to be an elite defender. Yeah. But like, and, but what, he's not a three and D guy because he's not a great shooter yet. And offensively, offensively, what's he going to do? Yeah, the real question for for Lonzo Ball is at a level where you have to make shots. Can he consistently make shots? See, he made. I mean, he made big shots at, at that UCLA. level. Though. Uh, my thing with Josh Jackson is, you know, he, he who I think he is similar in some ways to. Wiggins. That's exactly who I compare him to. I think he's very similar to that, which is a good comparison. Like, yeah. hey, I'd Wiggins is having right a fantastic now. Yeah. career so far. Um, so that's not a knock on him, but I think there's that same sort of like he has some things to figure out first, and he has some game to fit. He needs to add game yeah. to his package Absolutely. before he's going to be that elite level player. Whereas, I'm not talking about his package. Whereas Ball, and <laughs> you would. <laughs> Ball is, go- is I think, balls. no matter what, he's going to run your offense, be a really good passer, ball handler, all that type of stuff. Like, end of the day, he's a solid NBA point guard, even if he never becomes like the overall superstar that right. I think he could possibly. I'm with you. Uh, We're in court, agreement. CourtToDraftExpress.com. Edmund Sumner is is projected 41st overall, which puts him early in the second round. That feel about right? Yeah, I, th- I think he's from everything I've seen and, and heard. It sounds like early second round. I mean, the the late first round they were hoping. I just don't think that's yeah, going I, to happen. I, it's funny. I think I saw him on one board or one mock month ago that had him late first round, but most have had him 
anywhere from, I, from I about they, forty to forty-seven ish, forty-eight ish. So second makes the perfect more, sense per, because we've talked not, about we've talked you're about not locked into no, that. You, you that take him, you pay contract. him, you stash him. Yeah, um, you put him on that. that put that, him in the, that the in extended between, yeah. part of the roster. Right. You get him healthy. You get him in the D league. You get him. It's Working a win, it's a win for him because he's it's, now getting it's paid. It's basically a red shirt year. Absolutely. Some type of like partially guaranteed yeah. contract or something. Um, uh, yeah. One thing I think that can help him is it, it doesn't sound like there's much in Europe this year. To where it doesn't sound like that there's, second there's round influx, is going to be yeah, nothing but draft and stash. Right, right. You know, I, I think there's going to be a decent amount of Americans because it doesn't sound like there's a wealth of guys in Europe that are, you know, that's usually where you see – You'll have three or four elite guys, and then a lot of guys in the second round. And yeah, it's I don't funny. know that if, if you go by Draft Express, and again, it's just it's one opinion. But if you go by them in the second round, they have three foreign players. Yeah, totally and we've seen years where and there's two of them actually, half. and two of them actually are picks fifty six and sixty. Yeah, so they're just kind of throwing some names at the. So bottom I think that bodes really well yeah. for Sumner. Yeah, and and I think second round is right because the whole point of taking him now would be that you're getting a potential first mid first round right. talent in Correct. the second round. Correct. So uh, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, well, and at least again, good for him because it sounds like the best situation for him as well. Um, get paid. Get a chance to, to 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 work with some NBA guys, NBA staffs, all that stuff, and and, and then he's gonna have to ball out. He's got to ball. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, final take. You got anything, Rick Brewer? I just after uh, tensing duty and everything else that I've been doing with the news this week, I just forgot how much I enjoyed talking sports. Honestly, <laughs> I am totally refreshed. <laughs> yeah, on you, you've podcasting. had a weird news. It's been a weird news week. <laughs> oh man, were you were you working the shooting yesterday? Oh yeah. Okay. And, and warm beer. Oh yeah, Coming that's home, right. Yeah, auto. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a big week. All right, so you got back to talking sports. You feel back back to your roots. A yeah, little bit. I feel much better. So here's about what you my do. Here's, here's, here's the way you look at it. You really that's just the job. You're you're getting paid in theory to do this, right? That, all, yeah. That that you're just that's just gravy work. That, yeah. That, that just sets the stage for this. That's right. the way I'll look at right, it. That's a good way to look at it. How about for you, Chad? Brennan? Yeah. Oh yeah, I got something. Okay. Good. It's not it's not basketball. Oh. Okay. So soccer. We're gonna go to soccer. And 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 I'll preface this by saying. I played soccer growing up. I like soccer. Are soccer you about guy. to be a jerk after the biggest is. soccer event in the I, city? I, I think he is. No. Well, I am, but not towards FC Cincinnati. Okay. Towards, I am t- sick and tired of American announcers that announce soccer pretending that they're from London. Such as? Jolly good day, mate. We've got the chaps on the pitch. We've got the lads on the pitch in their kits. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. This is actually a good take. I actually like this. Shut up. And I agree with it. Just talk like a damn American. Just just call the damn game. Like, you, you didn't go. If, you, if, if the guy's from London and he's calling the game, have at it. London me away. But if the guy's from Cleveland, away. if the guy's from Cleveland, speak like you're from Cleveland. Speak like you're from Cleveland. They're not lads on the pitch. You didn't say that when you were a kid. Was the shot on frame? <laughs> this is funny because my sister, it, like she worked on a cruise ship. She's moved and been in other countries a lot. She feels like she's very cultured. She is always trying to like talk with like a little bit of an accent or she says a word that's like, you know, French or whatever. She yeah. always like pronounces it that way. Yeah. Like just to be an elitist. That's exactly it annoys the hell it out of me. It drives me nuts. It, oh, it's the worst. It drives me nuts. And it's I like, like dude, just talk. Just and, talk. And this I'm not like directing this at Tommy G because he's the FC Cincinnati and I, but that's what they all do. It's it's become like accepted that that 
If you're a soccer announcer in America, you have to speak can, like you're from England. Can I ask you what last night's game was called? The the FC Cincinnati. What, what they call they they called it a, they called it a spe- what was it called? It, it, it was the U.S. Open Cup. Right. I know that. But they also called it the Ohio one. I don't know. I, I know look, hell is look, real. Looked like Ohio Derby to me. No, no, no. It was the Ohio Derby. The Derby. See? See? I'm so sick of it. I, that's what, believe it or not, we had a newscaster that came off the thing. I was actually in the office last night. Did it, was it spelled D-E-R-B-Y and oh, they yes. had to pronounce it Darby? Oh, no. Oh. She didn't, unfortunately. Got a couple of phone calls on it. and break. And I said, tell that person in this country, it's not the Kentucky Derby. It is the Kentucky Derby. So we're it all in the, agreement it here. Have I, I, I united this Darby. podcast? You may have. This is your best take ever, you in may my have. opinion. No, I, I, I kind of with you. They it, are, it just drives me insane because, like, and you know what the score? By the way, what was the score? One nil. What was the score? One to zero, you idiot. Until the until it became one to nil. What was it? Was nil nil. Nil nil. I'm okay. I'm honestly okay with you saying like nil nil. Say no nil nil. Like, why do you put a weird accent on it? Like, it's nothing, nothing. Well, that's that's something else we do. Was the final score exactly one zip. One zip, one zilch. How do you want to do it? The only other place where any of that is even acceptable is in tennis, and it's one word. Love. Love. Yeah. And that's an awesome word. But but it's it's universally used in the sport. Like, do the people in 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 Argentina are they are they welcoming the lads to the pitch? (laughs) Give me a break. And again, I'm we got some dudes on the you, soccer field. You think when Pablo Escobar Football. ran that Colombian cartel soccer team that they were calling it the lads on the pitch? <laughs> He's calling them my bitches on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. And that's a wrap. And Sinclair Broadcasting Group will have an email in both of our inboxes yeah, tomorrow. Maybe. That may be the case. It'll work here. Nope. Yep. You're all good. You're all good. <laughs> You're all good. All right, boys. I enjoyed it. We got a lot of ground covered. So, uh, Maybe we won't wait another month to do another one of these, huh? We'll see. Let me know. All right, we will. Thanks for being with us on today's Skinny Podcast.